All right, hello everybody. Welcome to Stop Questioning Everything, the official Drug Receipts podcast. Drug Receipts is the brand at the convergence of art and technology. We're bridging the gap between IRL and URL, and we promote the pillars of art and subversion, science and skepticism, sport and community, or community and sport. We always aim to bring you content uh, with mind-altering substance. My name is Arlo Eisenberg. I'm your host. Today is August 4th, 2022. In New Zealand, it's already August 5th, and this is episode number 14 already. Uh, we've got a great episode schedule, scheduled for you. It's going to be fairly unconventional. Um, we have a very special guest, uh, Jacob uh, Volsky, who I should have asked him for the precise pronunciation of his name before we came on, but close enough. I think you know who I'm talking about. He is uh, the mastermind behind Zero X Thulu. So we're going to dive deep into that project. And Jacob is always good for some deep conversation, which is exactly what we like around here at Drug Receipts. So looking forward to that. But we've also got a lot of drug receipts news to dive into. Uh, we're going to talk about drug wars. We're going to talk about gods and goblins, uh, hoodies have shipped, and a lot more community updates. Um, but uh, if you're listening to this on a uh, podcast provider, uh, just a note that we will be showing some visual content. So we always recommend that you uh, watch this on our YouTube channel if you get the chance. Look for Drug Receipts, uh, like and subscribe. Um, uh, but we will do our best to paint a picture in your mind and to talk you through all the content. Uh, but the best experience always is when you can see the visual aid as well. Uh, so let's not waste any more time. Uh, we, oh, and sorry, let's waste just a little bit more time because I mentioned this would be an unconventional episode. Jesse, our, our beloved med and uh, one of our uh, contributing hosts here on the podcast is not available today. She's actually an ex accepting an award uh, here in Dallas um, because she's being recognized for putting on the best month party in Dallas. Uh, as many of you know, Jesse has a background in event production. She puts on events here in Dallas and in the region. Uh, and her, her parties are called Paradise. And she has been recognized by like the leading magazine here in Dallas, The Magazine. She's been recognized for having the best weekly or monthly party. So congratulations to Jesse. We will miss her today. But Trevor, uh, one, you know, uh, Trevor, our CMO, will be filling in for Jesse. So we'll be go going over all the drug receipts news with Trevor, but also Trevor will be filling in as a co-host. So we're going to get into some good conversation with Trevor and Jacob. Um, so Jacob is a, uh, a Web3 success story. Um, he's a filmmaker, a producer, uh, 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 an accomplished musician. And he has leveraged the power of community, um, and he rose up through the you know the fluffle community, and through the force of his creativity, his vision, and his work ethic, he's created something quite unique uh, in his own right. Um, Jacob founded Zero X Thulu, which is a decentralized Web three production house, um, and they make Hollywood caliber uh, production with their members. Uh, so their vision, Jacob's vision, is no less than to rewrite the, the existing business models of entertainment and production. So this is pretty lofty goals. Uh, so without any further ado, let's introduce or bring up Jacob. Hello. Hello. Oh. Hey. <laughs> I can already tell this is just going to be a recurring uh, joke here. But um, last episode, I'm sure that 
Dawn promised that we would have sound effects. So it wouldn't just be a silent, you know, uh, title card that comes up. J Jacob, I just, I just, you know, I just made such a big deal about you're going to, you know, provide like Hollywood caliber production to people. And here we are, we don't even have sound effects for our title card. So what an embarrassment. I'm so, uh, apologies to you. You know, we got to adapt in this space. We have to, we have to roll with the punches. I think that's the best we can do is embrace the madness and just sort of roll with that chaos, know it, live with it, breathe it. Yeah. Dude, and, and chaos, that's that's speaking your language. I imagine that's going to come up a bit today when we get into your projects here. Uh, but I'd also like to bring up Trevor. Hey, everyone. Trevor, right, is an integral part of the drug receipts community, not just the community. He is like he, he's one of the key members of our team. The reason that this this machine even works is because Trevor is back there pulling the levers. So Trevor is also an accomplished podcast host in his own right, a great communicator and just a real feast for the eyes for some of our uh, uh, female and anyone that likes an attractive man. They always love to look at Trevor. So welcome to the podcast proper, Trevor. Wow. That's been a, that's a pretty impressive intro, mate. Um, you know, running my own podcast, I never get to talk myself up because nobody really wants to hear that, but, uh, you know, it's nice. It's nice to have it's somebody else nice talk me up for a change. It's all, it's all lies, but you know, we won't, we won't, there's, there's no scientific evidence that won't hold up to skeptical analysis or anything oh, like that, uh -oh. but, uh, but I'll take it anyway. On Tuesday, we had a, um, an AMA, like we do every Tuesday, we have a Twitter Spaces. And we usually get into some pretty good conversation in our Twitter Spaces. And just a couple of days ago on our last, uh, Trevor and Jacob and myself and some other community members, I think we got into some really good conversation. So we're going to try to recreate a little bit of that magic here for the podcast. Um, but first, Jacob, I want to talk about you, right? Because you have an interesting background and doing some research into your bio. There are some things that definitely uh, stuck out to me. One is I think that we've got a little bit of, uh, you know, a, a little bit in common in that I see or I understand that you're coming to us right now from Costa Mesa. Is that right? Yes, I am. Yep. Nice beach, maybe like a mile and a half away from the beach. Yeah, yeah. I'm so still new before here. I'm, I'm in Dallas, Texas. Uh, Trevor is in Auckland, New Zealand. But before I moved back to Dallas about eight years ago, I was basically in Costa Mesa. Um, I was in Southern California. Actually, I was in Santa Ana. But before Santa Ana, I was in Costa Mesa. Uh, so I know the area well, have a lot of history, a lot of background there. Um, yeah. But your path to Costa Mesa, and tell me if this is true, because I am a skeptic, and this is hard to believe. Have you lived in at least 47 states? Is that true? Is that even possible? How? Yeah, yeah. Jeez, yeah. Well, what do you live in a van? Actually, it was a bus. Um, yeah. So okay. I, uh, for three years, I lived, ate, breathed, slept on a, a tour bus. Um, so every day, we would stay in a different place. I'd wake up, roll out of bed at six a.m., and have to go to a gas station ask what state I'm in. Um, so by default, I technically lived in all of these places. Uh, actually, long term, more than maybe. Uh, a month or so, probably over 15 states. I kind of, it's kind of hard to keep track because it, we went all over. But uh, uh, yeah, I, uh, um, with that touring time, just that alone, uh, I traveled and worked in 47 states, uh, six Canadian provinces, and uh, work has taken me all over the world. I've wow. actually seen um, all of Australia except for Queensland and Tasmania. I've literally been coast to coast, up and down. Um, 
I've uh, I've worked in about 15 different helicopters. Uh, I've worked on about 15 different cruises um, in a lot of different places. Uh, I've been to the Amazon jungle, the Galapagos, um, wow. middle of the outback, and everywhere else. Uh, yeah, the work has taken me yeah. a lot of different places. You're, you're looking, you're looking pretty good <laughs> for 100. Yeah. It's well, that's the thing. I think that uh, um, I'm kind of like a, I'm all in like kind of person. I don't think, you know, a lot of people will tell you, you've got to stick with one thing. You've got to stick with one niche, but I'm a creative. I don't want those boundaries. And if I leave a whole bunch of mess in my wake, like, so be it. So, yeah, I don't think we live in a world anymore where you, you know, that those days are gone, right? That work your way from the bottom to the top, stay in your lane, be in one industry, you know, that, that, that sort of stuff is just far too limiting. And our attention spans, thanks to TikTok and, and, and uh, Instagram, have reduced so short now that six months anywhere feels like a lifetime, right? So you can have a multiple careers and, yeah, you know, maybe living in one week. Uh, you know, I, when you were talking about Australia there, I was really disappointed because you, you missed the worst, but you also missed the best. So I come from Queensland and uh, I can vouch for the fact that you definitely missed the best part of Australia and unfortunately probably spent way too long in Sydney which everybody does. And that's Sydney's everybody's impression of Australia. And it's really not like that at all. It's like kind of like going to LA or Hollywood and thinking that that's America. You know, right? like, my my impression of Australia is more uh, a little bit of everything. I, I actually had like a deeply personal and spiritual experience there. Um, I went to uh, Uluru and, and places like that, very remote places. I was welcomed in yeah. by a lot of uh, First Nation communities and stuff as I stayed out there. Um, and for a lot of it, I went coast, like coast to coast uh, from Darwin to Adelaide and then also from Perth to Sydney on um, the, the GAN and wow. uh, I forget the other name, Indian Pacific, I think, the other train that do those cross-continental uh, Yeah, the GAN's like a legendary uh, thing to do, right? And I always laugh, you know, I've done a, a, not, a, not as much of that. I think I'm at country 44 or 45 or something now that I've, I've, I've lived or traveled through. And I always used to laugh when you'd meet people and they go, oh, yeah, I'm going to Australia for three months. I'm going to tour the whole country. And you're like, yeah, yeah, you're going to see like, you know, open up the map, pick one <laughs> centimeter and, uh, <laughs> and that's your month in Australia, right? Like that people just don't realize as how an massive American, it is. You see it and yeah. you're, you're at, you, you get this impression from American education that Australia is like the size of Connecticut or something like that. But you go there and mm -hmm. uh, I've seen the mm -hmm. entirety of the Nullarbor, uh, which for people who don't know, translates mm -hmm. to the nothing. Um, it is the same thing for thousands of miles. And yeah, I met people there who are driving an RV. And in order to get across, you have to actually trade uh, like barter with different communities there for gasoline to get across it. And there's no road. You just drive through yeah. dirt for a thousand miles. I had no idea. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. I remember when I was little the first time, and I'm, we're probably seagulling the conversation as we reminisce down Australia Lane here. So sorry to all the listeners who really don't care. Uh, but it's our podcast right. and we'll do what we like. Um, yeah, I remember the first time I got on a plane and I flew from sort of the East Coast towards Europe. And so we flew over Australia and I got on the plane and I had my meal and I fell asleep. And I woke up like eight hours later and we were still flying over Australia. And I was like, fucking hell, this, <laughs> this country is enormous, you know. Um, so, yeah, yeah. It's great to see that uh, somebody's gone and, and, and done that much. You've probably seen more of Australia than I have. I see people are saying, yes, build in, in New Zealand. Uh, uh, it is so high on my list. It is so high on my list. I, I've heard only the most amazing things. Yeah. And from someone who's in the film, my only interpretation of it is like Peter Jackson environments and things like that. Yeah. It's not too far wrong, man. <laughs> you know, you look at Lord of the Rings set. It's uh, 
you know, that you can extrapolate. That's what a country drive is. I'll be, I'll be staying. I'm camping this weekend after, in fact, as soon as I finish this podcast, I'm jumping in my car and driving inland and yeah, I'll, where we'll be camping looks kind of like Hobbiton, right? It's a, uh, it's, it's a beautiful country and look, you've got plenty of places to crash, man. So come on down here and, uh, and share. So in the interest of pushing conversations deeper, I'm going to do something completely obnoxious here uh, because this really, this, you guys have covered it great and I love the conversation we're having, but, and it does not call for this at all. There will be moments here where it's completely appropriate to kind of challenge us and right to try and push, you know, push the limits of, uh, you know, of what we're saying to really understand kind of the boundaries of what's being discussed. This is not one of the, those cases, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to push back on this just because I think it's absurd. Um, but, and I, this will feel a little bit like the conversation, you know, when people, you know, have these conversations around, surrounding, the, you know, whether a hot dog is a hot dog or a sandwich, you know, things like that. Uh, but would you say that it's accurate to say that you lived in at least 47 states? Really, you lived in a bus, right? And you traveled through a lot of states. Uh, you didn't actually live in 47 states. Right. Yeah, right. I lived in a bus that traveled within 47 states. This is right. this is the hard-hitting skeptical content and analysis that people come here for. So, yeah, just yeah. pulling. Yeah. Arlo's debunked that theory in one fell swoop. And all I can hear in the back of my head is, wherever I lay my hat. And yeah. you've got a hat on. So it all ties yeah, together. Yeah, what right is home? We're all travelers in this world, really, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And now we're in the metaverse, right? Where yeah. nothing ever stops. It's always awake. It doesn't matter where you are physically. We're all in the same place and we're all in this together. And, you know, that's kind of a cool thing, right? Yeah. Boundaries don't exist anymore. And uh, the, the, the people listening to this podcast, the people that we talk to every day and, and work in this space have embraced that with open arms. It's almost like, oh, thank God we can finally, you know, cut all of that away and, and forget about all of that. And uh, it's no longer part of our reality. So, yeah, it's so, really, really cool. So let's do it. Let's trans, right? Because we have covered that you have this extensive, like, IRL experience traveling the analog world. Uh, but now we are, you know, you've turned <laughs> your attention to the metaverse. Uh, and your the story of how this has happened, right? There's a lot of steps that got you, got you from, you know, your production, your career in music and all these things. Um, but I think we're going to kind of fast forward to uh to the actual experience uh once the you know the fluffle became a thing essentially um with you like posting you know uh from the screaming jay fluff uh and then the you know the the emergence of the cult of fluffulu and then how that all evolved into what you're doing today so you can take can you take us through that journey a little bit how you started posting which i to my understanding was anonymous initially is that right yeah, so uh, uh, I minted Fluff actually in pre-sale, um, and uh, I had caught it maybe in the first like couple hundred Twitter uh, followers as it first came up, and uh, it really drew me in. Um, I was still fairly new to NFTs, and I saw something with uh, um, like IP that encouraged you to build upon the lore. Uh, it gave you the ability to change the name, the description, and make something of that. Um, so I had minted four fluffs and uh, at that time it was even like a huge step for me to invest something like that. Um, Screamin' Jay Fluffkins, that fluff, uh, I want to say he's 9157 or 9158. Um, he was my least rare of the whole group. He's probably ranked 9400 out of 10,000 or something on the low end there. Um, but I saw a lot of personality in it. I connected some things. I, I became inspired by it. 
And uh, um, what brought me into NFTs uh, to help sort of give you perspective on that was uh, uh, being asked as a, a, a producer and a director to direct a series that was using NFTs as, as like part of their medium. Um, and uh, in that process, I saw a lot and, and finally having something that was a 3D avatar with models that we would get so that we can make content with them. Uh, with all my previous, previous experience, I saw that there are so many people who have these things, so many people who have a, a PFP with CCO rights or, or intellectual property rights or derivatives they've made and are working on it, but developing out sh short form and long form content, especially from a cinematic lens, just is not an easy process. And I know that from my own experience, like trying to pitch and trying to, once you've made it, you still have to go through all of these different walls of what, what it takes to go from idea to having it be mainstream or, or even viable. Um, so Screamin' J. Fluffkins was sort of that experiment of, if I just put this out into the world completely anonymous and I make, I started with three encrypted messages and, uh, um, People, no one knew. I wasn't pushing it. I wasn't even uh, following it with my own personal account. Um, and then uh, someone actually from the community started following and decoded the messages well before anyone and reached out to me. And that, that person is uh, Limison. Um, I'm going to call him out. I'm sorry. But uh, uh, he reached out and it was this strange part of the experiment where now there's two. Now there's someone who's like, this is really wild. I decoded these and I'm trying to understand what it means. And I'm like, well, congratulations and thank you. Let's like try to decide what it means together. And uh, we started reaching out and that's when I started talking to people in the, in the community and people were like, yeah, let's do this. And, and started realizing that there were so many talented people around us and so many talented people in our own circle that maybe that they weren't all into web three, even at that time when we started building um, it, it's like all of the resources are there for anyone to take even the least rare, the most common character that they have and add value to it by just creating and adding story to it. So uh, that was the Scream and Jake Lufkin's experience. Those tweets started um, uh, actually August 27th, but that's August 28th in New Zealand time, uh, which I was going by. And there's a very specific and really fun and deep secretive thing that I, I love to keep my secrets, if you can't tell. I love secrets. Um, I'll tell you guys after. I'll blow your minds a little bit. But, uh, you know, it was it's miraculous that it came on that date and all of that. And uh the big thing, you know, like the big secret at first, well, the first people who decoded it became the first uh, high profits of, of what was the cult of Fluff Thulu and is now Zero X Thulu. Um, the big secret that we shared with them is really that life imitates art, art imitates life. We put out this supposed mythical prophecy out into the wind. And a lot of what we mentioned in that prophecy felt as if it came true. And it's just because we built into it. You know, it's a very strange experience. And that is like the ultimate secret that we initially built it on that we kept very secretive. So, you know, and, and when I tell you those parallels, you're not going to believe it. And it's, it's, that's the constantly unfolding thing, um, you know, for this whole. So that's a date that the anniversary of is, is right around the corner, right? So is there some alpha here that we can fish for, or is that, are you going to remain tight lipped on that? Cause we're like, what, three yeah, weeks away uh, from that? The mint is, uh, yeah, right around the corner, August 23rd in the States. Um, and uh, honestly, we weren't necessarily trying to time it with that. I think that to a degree, part of that is chance. 
Um, we joked about it and all of this stuff saying that, you know, after that period, something's going to happen, some big breakthrough that sort of marks this milestone just by chance and with the universe. But, uh, uh, you know, still we're focused on just building like utility. It's ultimately our drop is um, it's like a membership card or it's, it's like a, a, a utility token. Um, I think that that can be kind of a misleading thing for some people because I think people expect us to go right into an avatar. People expect us to do that. But uh, uh, we see a different way of doing things. We're a community-built, community-led project, and uh, we are not afraid to dream and be different. And, uh, yeah, that's part of the boldness. And it's also why it's very difficult to explain. It's amazing, because, right? <laughs> We'll build what we can with what we have. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing to see a project like this emerge from a community. You know, this is one of the exciting things we're seeing in, in the drug receipts community is, is people coming together, creating their own, running with their own ideas. And, and, and you know, you're a testament to how successful that can be, right? Zero X Hulu came from a, a couple of guys that bought Flask and started having a conversation. And now it's, it's a project in its own right. It's gathering huge momentum. You, you, your reputation's growing within the Web3 space. It's awesome. It's, just, it's, it's so exciting to see this happening. You don't get that in Web2. You, know? you don't get a bunch of people in a Facebook group start a company. You know, it's you know very I judge rare. our success by how tightly we adhere to our values. And uh, I think that that's been our most important thing. And that was honestly the very first thing that our community wanted to do together. Um, you know, our community came together and the very first thing we collaborated on was a document to establish our values and our morals. Um, so staying true to that, staying true to people awesome. that we meet in the community, like absolute priority. The, the rest is secondary. And I think that's why we have a committed community. And I think that's why you guys with Drug Receipts have a committed community too. You provide a culture. You provide a reason to be there that has nothing to do with an NFT, honestly. Mm -hmm. I, I really, I would be there with mm -hmm. or without them. And I think that that culture, that conversation and that community is more what we have shared ownership over. The the NFTs and all of that are secondary to that. So yeah, totally. Jacob, I'd like to talk a little bit more about these uh, values and beliefs that, that you've uh, mentioned here. Um, and my understanding is right, this, you said, right, that these were established initially in the, uh, the Fluff Thulu manifesto and now right you they've become the zero x thulu uh core beliefs um but so the utility that you're offering right and there's the membership in this but right you you said that it's access to you know the tools that you need to kind of build your brand to whatever whatever your uh vision is you are going to provide access to the things that you need to realize your vision right because most of us are not experts in any of the things that we need but doesn't mean that we don't have great ideas right so you can help us get from our good ideas to great execution. Uh, but those kinds of things already exist, right? We could go to a, you know, a, a production studio, all those things. I feel like what part of what's unique about what you're offering is exactly uh, how it's described in your core beliefs. I think that those guide kind of the unique uh, value that you're offering. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, so I think in Web3, we have an opportunity to be different. We have an opportunity to be radical. Um, I think uh, I actually had a great conversation with some of the guys uh, who are burners or with Burning Man and talking about radical self-expression. Like, why do we limit what we're expressing? Um, so, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, the, the big thing is that most people face hurdles as they're trying to create. And uh, as someone who's like, I went around to 47 states and blah, 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 doing creative onboarding and workshopping people and all of that. 
that is is a really powerful thing. Um, I think that the morals and the values in that are the opportunity. You know, gatekeeping for uh, as an example. You know, decentralization fights against centralization, and centralization creates gatekeeping. And uh, it's important for us to really understand what the community wants in there, and then how to balance that with a company that we're building. Um, so, you know, those values and everything, we've actually evolved that quite a bit. Um, we actually have um, a diversity and sustainability department. Uh, we have uh, uh, TB, who's our, our, our person in that role. Um, and uh, we are trying to be radical with a lot of that stuff, radically sustainable. Um, part of uh, our what we're doing with our drop as well is uh, a substantial portion, a substantial percentage of what we take in from uh, the gross uh, primary and secondary sales is going to a community treasury. Uh, and that is like funds that we are making the community there. There will have access to request and propose funds through that platform to create. Um, so that's one thing of gatekeeping. Mm -hmm. If I were, or if we were just as zero X Thulu, the sole people like, yes, no green lighting people's ideas that goes back to this very same problem. Having, having a group of peers vote on that, is great and, and and honestly it who knows what can be created out of that so 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 is a dow at the at the sort of foundation of what you're building is that high on your agenda or you know to, I to build? DAOs, DAOs, like are mis DAOs are misunderstood element? and i think they're misused i think is the big thing um we're going to create a dow element where there is governance voting specifically for the purpose of green lighting projects by community it's going to be very focused. Our, our business can't run that way. The, the nonprofit that we'll be constructing to for the community treasury and all of that, um, that can't, in my mind, it shouldn't operate as a DAO because then, you know, there's a lot of risks to having that. And, and sometimes you need that to some degree. Sometimes you need someone steering that ship. But with the decisions and with the power of, of just uh, uh, specifically green lighting, using just that as an element and using the, the governance and DAO elements just to focus on that changes something. It, it, it like eliminates one of those gatekeeping things and it makes it trustless. Yeah, I, I see people too talking about DAOs that are automated. I think people have a lot of issues. One, one big thing that I don't think a lot of people will talk about in DAOs, there is a, a, a thing with the business that if you do high level uh, interaction with it, if there is a vote or decision and you make a, a control move over like green lighting that or deciding it, then you are technically at the top of that business. It is not decentralized if there is a top level decision maker who can swat down any idea. So if it's not truly decentralized, they have a whole lot of reg legislation and regulation that still is yet to be defined, you know, and a lot of these like organizations in our government too, um, they will go after a company and uh, it's called, uh, um, it, it, when something, I'm not sure what it's called, enforcement through investigation, I believe is what it is, where uh, before the laws are defined, before the regulation is in place, if they put an investigation onto a company, it is the same thing as if they were to have prosecuted them sometimes. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially today, right? In the court of public opinion, um, you know, I guess what we're talking about is the difference between something like communism and socialism, right? There's a there's an interesting experiment going on in Taiwan. Uh, they have a digital minister, um, and her name has just escaped me for the minute. If anybody knows, um, please chuck it in the comments. Uh, but they are 
be uh, doing an entirely transparent um, form or, or trying to facilitate an entirely transparent form of governance. So uh, this particular minister's meetings, every meeting is recorded and the, minute, the, the, the transcripts are published on a, on a public website. Um, they're using social media-esque strategies to discuss and determine policy, social policy within the government. Uh, they're also um, battling misinformation and actually have a policy around um, the problems that are created that you see in, in, in countries like the US where you've got foreign interests manipulating the conversation and manipulating the information stream. Uh, they've actually got a, a, a cabinet or a, or, a, or a division of the government that's set up to try and undermine or, or combat that. So they're engaged in sort of this meme warfare. It's literally done through memes. Um, so it, it's interesting when the uh, country starts to embrace these new technologies and you start to think, you know, this is not a new thing. We're now in Web3 and it feels like governments and, and important uh, regulatory processes are only catching up to Web2. Uh, and the concept of a DAO, you throw that into the mix and the ability for people to have ownership and, 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 and rights in these um, organisational structures. And uh, it, it's going to become an interesting thing. So I think you're right. It's, it's so early that we don't really understand it yet. But the fact that there's only one country in the world with a digital minister scares the shit out of me. I'm curious because this is really fascinating. You know, the uh, the core beliefs in the Fluffdula Manifesto, and Jacob, even listening to you talk about it, right? But you know, there are phrases and language like, you know, working as a collective, right? The, the, the community will share in the profits, but there's also things like power corrupts, right? And, and you, we refer to these decentralized power structures. And Trevor already said it, right? It, we are, it, it sounds like we're starting to talk about like socialism, communism, these kinds of things, these different political experiments that have been run, you know, many times in, in human history. And we've seen a lot of spectacular failures and not sure that that any of them have have quite nailed it yet, um, but it it seems like, or it, it is interesting to me. It's it's uh, it's like we might be in a place where the technology, uh, for the first time in human history, uh, is giving us an opportunity to kind of run back some of these experiments. Uh, whereas in the past, you know, you always because of the limits of um, the logistical. Um, of, of our logistical uh, capabilities, right? You couldn't, there really never was any such thing as, um, uh, you know, uh, representation where everybody, you know, every single person could have a, a vote, for instance. We're always voting for proxies to represent our interests. Um, but now through uh, Web3, through uh, contracts and verification, um, it's possible that, that, that some of these ideas, these idealistic you know, uh, political ideas that we've had in the past or, or organizational ideas that we've had in the past, it might be worth giving them another look to see if there's not any merit to them. Uh, is that right? You know, I would, I would agree. And I think that we really, when a new technology comes through, it is disruptive. And, and that's something that we, we don't have an answer, but I think we're gonna feel out like after that typhoon is hit, like what makes sense? I, I think my my initial journey into Web three and and experimenting with ideas of of building a business and being an entrepreneur, really were kind of some of them very misled, but really trying to find ways where tokenomics and, and different elements of, of community and all of that 
can can help to replace social programs. And that's what I kind of started to realize. You know, if you had, uh, I'll, I'll tell you one of my earlier ideas because I don't think it's really feasible. Um, and and I, I, there's a lot of reasons why, but just to give you the idea of where I was going and maybe some of the possibility, um, I thought of doing something called home coin, um, where there was a tokenomics element. And this was back in my meme coin phase. So like, please don't hold this against me. I'm not doing it. Um, but uh, uh, Homecoin, if there was a percentage of each transaction that was going towards some fund or something like that, that is all that's needed to fund one of these social programs. If it was a mineable coin and, and if someone had access to that, the right person who is gifted that can have passive income. And then also like the idea of keeping it sustainable or something like that. I, I ultimately, how do you provide homes for people? And the, 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 there's a lot of problems with why that wouldn't work. But I, I, you know, had the idea, what if there were these small, like tiny homes and there was a solar element and they had a built-in miner for a coin that was used as part of like, you know, housing services or, or something like that exchanged within USD Treasury or something like that, specifically just for what they do with the housing departments and all of that. The, the trading action on that and the tokenomics on that, you, we wouldn't have to pay in more taxes. The taxation element is built into that process. Yeah. You know, when we do work with contractors and things like that, you know, they're getting big breaks on this. If we had a, a small element in there, it would fix it. But here's the problem with the idea. If we build, you know, we, we would have to get plots of land where we do these experimental sort of mini cities of tiny homes where people who are underrepresented would get, you know, like passive income and they'd have a place to be. But what we're creating by doing that is also kind of what was commonly considered a ghetto or something like that. Like we're like taking these people in these communities and we're pushing them into their own world and we're making them others. And while like the intention is there and everything like that to try to help people, the whole idea doesn't work out. So I think for us, just in Web3, that's a lot of what it is for people. We have these amazing technologies and it's just, you know, that's what we're trying to do, like augment humanity, augmenting humanity. How do we apply all of this tech, all of these amazing resources and talented minds and do something radically different with it? Yeah, I mean, that's the opportunity, right? Right now is before... I don't know, somebody gets their greasy little hands on it and figures out a way to hack it for their own personal gain. Here's the opportunity, right? Um, it, your, your, um, your meme coin uh, reminds me of micro lending in Africa, right? Did, did you follow this, this process? It's a similar kind of thought, thought experiment if we take... Uh, it's a redistribution of wealth, essentially. That's what we're talking about, right? Like taking money from people who have an abundance of it and giving it to people who have nothing and empowering them to use that to drive themselves out of poverty and, and, and change their situation. So I really love the, you know, one of the things that I, that, that made me leap into this space in, in you know, with, with all my spirit was the fluff mint, right? I'd never seen anything like that in my life. You were talking about that's kind of where this podcast started, but the uh, the idea that you minted a couple of um, a couple of rabbits, a couple of digital pictures of rabbits, which you know that the whole concept of it is is, is just stupid when you think about it. But the fact that that changed so many lives, you know, um, the stories that I heard coming out of it, people that you know 
these NFT projects that 10x and, you know, in the very early days where people suddenly got enormous financial reward um, from being an early adopter and participating in this and taking a bit of a risk. And it, it, it really did elevate so many people and change so many people's lives that um, it, it, it really humbled me because I was like, wow, this is an opportunity for us to do this at scale, right? Like, why can't we take this same philosophy and and redistribute wealth globally or read or at least I don't know. That, that's such a utilitarian dream, right? To redistribute wealth globally, but at least start that journey or or or, or present it as an opportunity. Redistribute as an opportunity. power globally, maybe maybe that. Like re redistribute control, even because you know gatekeeping is the problem. You know to these things, gatekeeping is what's keeping a, a, an underrepresented community from having equity. Really, not just equality, but equity, getting what they need. It's what's going to strangle this space is that there's so many archaic systems that have got structures that rely on secrecy and, and, uh, and power control. And the blockchain threatens all of that, right? Like everything's transparent. I know what you got. I can find your wallet and see what you got, man. Like, you know, I know you made that money, you know? Uh, so suddenly every, everything's uh, much more transparent and out in the open. And I feel like that, I don't know whether it whether it wins or loses or is a better or worse option. I'm prepared to yeah. find out, right? Like there has to be a better alternative. And we have we have right to be there. Uh, like we have to want to be the ones to take that step and believe in something that very few people do. And we have to be also when we realize we've made something like own it and and like lean into it when we know it's right. Um, I'll tell you guys something fun and kind of leaky, and maybe I shouldn't be telling you, but I'm going to tell you. Um, yeah, well, our, our CTO, our, our CTO. I mean, we have like the umbrella of, of several different blockchain companies that we have that are available to community and, and members and everything too. Um, he created a stablecoin and uh, um, is uh, like the patent process, I believe, is finished on it. Um, but uh, uh, he very much upset a government with uh, with how this works, and I think when you understand it, you'll you'll understand why. Um, it import and export. If you were to ship something into West Africa, there are other countries that will determine whether or not like how long it's held. There's like a remittance period where if you ship goods into some of these foreign company uh, countries, especially in Africa, uh, there are governments that say like you have to wait two weeks. It's like an extra bank clearance thing. It has to go through central banks. They verify it. Yeah. And it's, there's, there's, it's really about, like they say, oh, it's, it's weeks before this like processes and, and the money's gone through remittance. So it's a stable coin that has a, uh, a mechanism that provides um, liquidity to like cover remittance immediately. There is no reason you can you can't in 2022 ship something into a port and have the processing go through instantly. It's ludicrous that you would have to wait two weeks. It cripples Western nation. It's called a barcode. But the government that uh, um, <laughs> that had a firm grip on that and the control with that dinosaur of a system that really only benefits the centralized power. You know, you'll hear that it's this and you'll hear that it's that. Like we have verification galore, especially with blockchain. Blockchain is that. It's trustless. And so, uh, yeah, there's um, there may be a government that's kind of upset with some of the things that our team and members have created. And uh, I'm here for it personally. Like uh, why, you know, this might be what's limiting a lot of nations in the world. So, yeah. so I I'm challenged sorry. a little bit. No, that no, it's great. 
Uh, we challenge you a little bit on whether or not living in a bus was the same thing as living in 47 states. So now I'd like to challenge you on something a little more uh, consequential here. Um, mm -hmm. And let's let's try and think through this a little bit. Uh, but so, you know, we are talking about, right, uh, creating access uh, to wealth um, and empowering people to make them, uh, you know, to, to make them self-sufficient um, and redistributing wealth in a way. And Web3 gives us the, you know, the opportunity to do that, perhaps. Um, right now, so far, and I know that it's all young, so it's kind of unfair to, to put it on trial this early, right? But uh, we've mentioned Fluff as this great shiny example of like this great wealth generator, right? You get in early um, and the people that own the Fluffs, right? They just keep seeing opportunities to, um, to, to, uh, to, to see, to appreciate uh, or, or to see value, you know, to reap value from that, that initial investment. Um, but for those of us that are, for those that don't own Fluffs, uh, it's, it gets harder and harder to get in, right? You can't just get in now. And so then it kind of creates this atmosphere of this game where you, it's sort of gambling initially. You, you're, you're constantly looking at product uh, projects and hoping, hoping that you will, you will pick one that will return, you know, fluff-like uh, wealth for you. Uh, but that's really hard to do, right? It, it, it is a kind of lottery. Um, so how do we get around that? Or where, where will the, the mechanics get better so that it is, it is more democratized and less of a gamble? So I think that there are, you know, there is, there are two things and I don't mean to be, you know, like black and white with it or anything like that, or, or, or call it just a straight up duality, but there are projects in the space, right? There are companies and brands in this space. And then there are artists in this space, independent and emerging artists in this space. Um, when I collect, I do both. Like I collect projects, I get into, you know, PFP avatars and metaverse land and all of that. That's more like, you know, like a, a, a corporate brand kind of thing, which is awesome. And those are the things that are building out these vast, vast worlds and creating some of the infrastructure. But the artists behind that, I will collect a piece of art from someone on, on different chains, Matic, Tezos, Flow, ETH, whatever, and, and all of this, fully knowing that like it may be so obscure, that it may not sell, it may not generate me wealth. And that's kind of what I see in this, that really there are there is a dividing line. There is like a bubble that could pop where if the projects, you know, if everybody is trying to build the same thing, not everyone will make it to that. So 99% of those will fail. And same thing with artists. 99% of artists have a very, very hard time getting what they're doing out. But, uh, um, you know, if you're doing it as an artist, the most you can lose is, you know, I guess your sanity and your ego if you put out a piece that doesn't sell or something like that. Um, but you're not losing much. And, and if, you, if you collect from an artist, there's an intrinsic reward that you get. And uh, I think, you know, to, to add to some, some depth and to throw a challenge back to you, are you familiar with William Blake's concept of single vision? No. I love that. Awesome. William Blake um, was an artist, uh, you know, hundreds of years ago, um, and, and uh, uh, maybe not hundreds, close to that. I don't really know. Um, but uh, he had a, a, like a very big disagreement with a lot of popular people during the Age of Enlightenment. And uh, during that time, there was the discoveries of logic and reason and science and Newton and all of this. So Newton was someone that William Blake 
kind of didn't like. And I think he called it Newton's curse or something along those lines where Newton is dove in headfirst into the minutia of, of like an ever entropic thing of reality where, you know, the apple falls, there's a force behind that. What's the measurement behind that? What's, you know, the, 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 like, I don't know, velocity, blah, 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 all of these things. And he's able to determine a, a measurable scientific thing. But William Blake thought that that was very short-sighted in terms of what reality actually is. And uh, he thought that we have, you know, an outer world and an inner world, and both are of equal value. So uh, William Blake liked to dream untethered and would like, he liked to have, his creations and his dreams and all of that carry him in a much different way. And it worked. And honestly, you know, it, it, there's a lot of questions. Who had more influence, William Blake or Isaac Newton? You know, and, and why is that? I think that uh, there's a lot to that. And uh, I think it's bizarre. I think it, it's it's a very different kind of concept. But uh, um, I hope that sort of gives you like a little on that. It's it's two pillars of our project, right? Art, art and subversion, which is your William Blake, and science and skepticism, which is your Isaac Newton. So we kind of embrace both, I think, here in our sort of philosophy. So, yeah, it's, it's, an, it's an interesting one. Who had more influence? It's, it's impossible to determine because it's almost two completely different fields. In their respective fields, they both had an enormous amount of influence. I mean, how many... Newton had more influence. What about Huxley and what about, uh, you know, Jim Morrison and The Doors, and everyone that came out of that? Look at rock music. Rock music is a byproduct of William Blake. But... Yeah. All, all of those artists, that's what I was saying. All, all of those cultural, yeah. You William know, Blake. Our culture. Yeah. Anyway. yeah. So culturally, he had an enormous influence, whereas Isaac Newton, well, now we have modern technologies that we embrace, that we take for granted, right, that wouldn't exist without his influence. Right. So which is more important? Um, if, the, if the power gets shut off, uh, one would argue that William Blake is more important, right, because we'd all be sitting around a fire singing and passing down rituals and, and, and we'd have a very creative-based uh, you know, interaction. I'm, I'm not sure that singing, you know, singing, you know, the maybe the the... the lyric structure or the the beats or whatever maybe the amps got a little better but human singing to other humans it probably hasn't changed that much since the, william blake's time um the doors are not you know the affectations are a little bit different maybe the clothing and the hairstyles are a little bit a little bit different but it's basically the same thing but the fact that you and i are talking now from different states and from different continents right on on a computer and with perfect clarity and that we're able to travel, you know, to other planet or to, you know, to the moon. And we have, we are sending satellites to other uh, planets. I mean, those things are uh, literally like uh, mind bending, bending and sort of reality are, are uh, history changing feats that are not possible without physics and the, the innovations and the insights of Isaac Newton. So to me, there's no question, right, that the, the that the influence of Isaac Newton is on orders of magnitude greater than uh, William Blake. But it doesn't mean that William Blake's contributions aren't important um, and even profound. Uh, but I think that there's to try and bring this back just a little bit to the original question, because I think that it's important that you acknowledge the role of artists in all of this. Right. So now we will we will make an argument for the important role that artists play. 
But so I'm thinking of an analogy here, right? It reminds me of the way that gentrification works. And I'm not making an argument, you know, I'm not, I, I don't have a strong opinion on whether this is a good or a bad thing. But the 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 roadmap basically is you send artists into a you know a downtrodden area. Um, because artists are, you know, typically progressive and don't mind, you know, uh, don't mind uh, conditions that most other people might otherwise find unattractive or unsavory. And so the artists go in and they start, you know, they and also because artists typically need a lot of space uh, and they don't have a lot of money. So you can go in and artists start moving into lofts. They start doing murals in the community. You know, uh, someone opens up a coffee shop and then slowly. Uh, then other patrons start coming in and visiting the coffee shops and the, the new little boutique restaurants. And then in this way, you start converting a, an area into something that's attractive to, for, you know, to, uh, to retail businesses. Um, and then these things are, and then the rents start going up, you know, the, the gentrification starts taking place, people start moving in and all that. But so the, the point of it is that artists are kind of the tip of the spear, right? Artists go in. And a similar thing is happening here in Web3 where PFPs and artists are kind of like the first ones demonstrating the proof of concept in Web3 and in the metaverse. We're showing that there's value here. Uh, we're showing that things can be bought and sold. And we are, we are sort of, it, it, like I said, it's a proof of concept that, that, that there's value here. But it is unfair to say that this is, this is the model or this is the extent of the way that commerce or that anything will exist in Web3. This is just the very beginning and it, and ultimately is a very, very narrow sliver of, of, you know, an economy, of an entire economy. Most of what will happen in the metaverse will not be people buying and selling PFPs. It will be people, you know, like, it'll be people doing things like you're doing. It'll be actually starting businesses, creating, uh, uh, creating jobs for other people that can happen in the metaverse. And so it's those, those are the places where you will start to see dramatic differences and you will start to see the real benefits of new models of, of economy. Um, yeah. And so, right. So maybe even the entire framing of my question, the way I said it, like, you know, if, if people, if it's, if people can't get in, if people can't buy a fluff, right. If it's cost prohibitive to get in and buy a fluff, well then how can there be any hope for the metaverse to be equitable for anyone? Right. Well, well it's because the PFP model is the wrong thing to look at. It, yeah. All that says is that it's possible to generate value in the metaverse, but then all the different ways that it will happen, that's where the real uh, value will be realized. Yeah, you're 100% right. It's, it's a signal to what's to come, right? If you do your homework and you pay attention, there's going to be a million different ways that you can uh, take advantage of early adoption and, uh, and, and, and new technologies. Um, the interesting thing that I think the, the, the Web3 or the metaverse, the whole NFT explosion or experiment, whatever you want to call it, um, has done as flip the business model, right? So you have this enormous cash event up front, which enables you to build a business around it. Like, you know, in, in a Web2 or, or typical historical environment, it's a slow process to build yourself. By the time you get to the point where you have enough money to do what you want to do, you've already, you're well and truly established, well and truly into your business model. And you've, you've had to adapt and, and change your initial vision as a result of market forces, right? Well, now we're in a position where we can create a vision, people buy into that vision and believe in that vision, and we can now execute it. So I think what's going to come out of that is enormously more powerful than, uh, than, being a victim of the market forces and having to adapt and survive and 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 modify your initial visions and your initial uh, objectives in order to just survive and, and thrive and pay your bills and pay tax and keep the kids safe and all the rest of those sorts of real world problems, right? 
And the world changes. I mean, really, we have a lot to consider when automation starts mm. kicking in. Uh, we're going to have to reevaluate the value of a lot of things. Let's say we do create this society with all of this abundance. What what value is there? You know, what if there was a limit to scientific discovery? What if we figure out the theory of everything and, and we own science and all of that? What else do we do? Like there is no innovation or creation or pushing forward without facilitating creativity and working creativity like a muscle. Yeah, it's an interesting concept, right? The, the idea that AI will be the last thing that human beings ever invent, you know, um, and we're on the cusp of that. It's being invented right now. Uh, so the last thing we will ever deliver or produce or invent, we're doing now. Uh, and we're, we're arguably less than decades away from that, seeing its way through to fruition. And then who the fuck knows what's coming next? It's not going to be up to us for the first time ever and is that a good thing or a bad thing and nobody can, can convince well, here, me one way or another here's an interesting thing I, i'd like to propose to you then you know ai we talk about at one point ai becomes sentient life what element outside of logic and reason do we need to see to consider it sentient mm -hmm. life we had this conversation before right because there was the uh the google uh employee Lambda. Oh, right. Google algorithm yeah. it becomes sentient and it, you know to me and, and I think Arlo and I agree on this point there just wasn't enough substance in that analysis for me to convince me that yes this is a sentient um, being but there was enough substance in that analysis for me to go holy shit this thing's pretty goddamn smart and uh, you know it, we're not that far from this 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 point this singularity um, you know and in quiet little labs where this technology is being pushed to its edge. Maybe we already are, you know, who knows? Um, it's not something we're going to know, but ahead of time, right? <laughs> I, I think that we are, not, it's not, I think that we are probably pretty far from it, but we are not that far from being able to conceive of it. Right. So that we, we, we can imagine uh, what it might be like if, uh, you know, if, if an artificial intelligence, you know, achieved general intelligence and, and they, they outpaced our own, um, our, our own ability to, to reason. Um, but so then I will put it back to you guys, a, a kind of an interesting question that that raises that you guys started to get at. But if uh, we are replaced by a superior intelligence, is that a good or a bad thing? Right? That's the ultimate question. And I don't think there's an answer. For me personally, there isn't one. We will find out. To me, it's an easy answer. We will find out. It's a fine thing. So what? Right? Yeah. What What is precious about humans? What is precious about humans? I think that the thing that is uh, precious or the thing that is worth preserving is sentience, right? Is, is awareness. Um, and if we create a better vehicle, a better vessel for uh, awareness and for sentience, then so what if, you know, if, if these meat vessels uh, cease to be necessary anymore? Um, as long as sentience survives, as, lo as long as the universe can keep thinking about itself, as Carl Sagan says. Yeah, but that doesn't leave a lot of room for, uh, for, for wearables in the IRL or URL space, Arlo, you know. Um, if these, if these uh, why, meet... why not? It, it, it will be the sickest metaverse you could ever imagine. <laughs> we, in fact, Maybe the metaverse it's... is already that. The metaverse yeah. already won't need uh, our meat bags, right? Mm. Correct. Yeah. And yeah. so, so once the thingies, once the, the, as the AI gets better and better and starts making our decisions for us better and better, at some point we do become completely redundant and obsolete. 
um, and it, what is lost if that's the case, other than whatever sentimental remote romantic notions we have about our own existence. But already most of the people that have ever, ever existed don't exist. You know what I mean? So there, there's not that much difference from all, all the rest of humanity that already doesn't exist and just the rest of us are going that way as well. They don't exist as we perceive it. You know, I think, you know, we're only able to really perceive and understand linearly time and all of these things. There's a lot we just don't understand. And, uh, you know, like maybe there is no real threat when we get advanced to the point where we can automate ourselves and put our upload our consciousness and all of that, because at some point, maybe we break time and maybe all of it is just one big piece. I guess we just don't know. We I, I, I feel like there's so much it. it and we need these renaissances, these movements and everything to like dream up what the hell we're looking at. <laughs> um, and I think that every day when we reach something new, we're like, we had no idea what we were talking about. Yeah. In the meantime, it's fun playing with this stuff, right? And seeing it take shape. Like I'm really enjoying Zero X Thulu, for example, like AI driven art, right? Like that's a, it's a fun thing where there's some kind of third party intelligence at work creating something that I get to interact with and has, have a response with, right? I get this emotional impact. Um, you know, it's, it's not as significant as the conversation that I'm trying to pull us out of because I feel like we're going down a rabbit hole and we could be here two hours from now still <laughs> discussing the, uh, the purpose of life and, and we come to the same conclusion uh, that the answer is 42. But, um, you know, I think that it's, it's, it's interesting how uh, fascinated we are at, at these little things that we develop. Like every time there's this new little bit of technology that rolls out, you know, I'm really excited about ASM and their use of their Genesis brains and how that's going to change things, right? Like we're going to have this idea of ownership over AI and what that means. Um, we've had a few discussions recently and we had one on the spaces uh, during the week talking about the role of these, uh, these AI. Um, but yeah, um, I, I'm really... I, I get really excited more about that than I would at like, you know, buying a fancy car or, or, or a nice suit or something like that. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. Well, so Trevor, this is a good opportunity. Thanks for, for, uh, for, like how re I that, <laughs> for, for redirecting us back on track, but you know, we always encourage people while we do these, uh, these podcasts to also join our discord because there's a lot of supplementary content and, and, and conversation going on in the discord. So the drug receipts discord right now, you can tune in, people post pictures. Uh, it's just, it adds more to the conversation. But I will also give a plug uh, to the Zero X Thulu discord because you can go in there right now and see a ton of this incredible content that's being produced by AI right now. So we just had this existential conversation about the future of AI, but what AI is doing right now already is so impressive and so, uh, so awe-inspiring. And if you want to see how cool it is, uh, I encourage you to stop into the Zero X Thulu Discord. Uh, the community members are, are generating so much interesting content. And it's based around the lore of, you know, all these ecosystem projects. And especially with the latest push with the Goblin Town uh, or the Gods and Goblins. I mean, there's so much really, really cool content. And the fact that it's being generated by AI in collaboration with humans, right? So it's, it's, it's humans using this AI technology. But the stuff that it's producing is just so mind-blowing. So you really need to get in there and take a look at it because it is so cool. And I, I would bet that we're going to have some community members uh, posting some of it in our Discord as well. Uh, but so 
jump into the discords, go into the drug receipts discord, go into the zero X Thulu discord, and you'll, you'll see a lot of really interesting content. Yeah. Agreed. And, and I love going into your guys' discord, honestly, your team and uh, the conversations that come up there are really unique. I think in this space where there's so many people that are aligned in, in, um, I know this is stop questioning everything, but they very much question things. Um, you know, our, in our lore, um, something that our community is playing with lately, uh, we unveiled our, um, I don't want to call them antagonists, but they're definitely dangerous. And one of them is an antagonist, but the forgers, um, which are, uh, oh, I had somewhere I was going with this. My mind just fell apart. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Um Welcome back yeah. to the conversation, Jacob. It's, yeah. it's, it's nice yeah. to have you. You, you. Your brain hey, was still going down the existential crisis yeah. that we're facing, you know, and it's took a, taken a minute to come back. Too much, too far. I hate when this <laughs> happens sometimes. It <laughs> just happens, though. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, people are taking and running with these stories, and, and there's a lot of community lore that's being built, and, and there's a lot of questioning that's being built with this. You know, the idea that our entities, the... Um, Cthulhu mythos inspired entities known as the forgers, the name alone starts getting people to start thinking and questioning things. You know, we have our, our antagonist um, is a very malicious entity who has been going through uh, the community and a lot of people might not have even noticed it and you might not until you question it. Um, and I think that's more fun. I think that that's more engaging. The, the most we want to do is to create a foundation for people and to facilitate people building in a different direction. We don't necessarily want to direct everything like the lore is this. Um, that's not really what we're about. Our, our lore is a foundation. And uh, I think that 11 months of building it with the community has been a really amazing experience. We influence each other and we come back and forth and and it turns into a lot of things. And it also enables people to build their own content properties just based on the foundation, which we're open about sharing. Um, as an example, there are uh, someone in our community created the Sirens of the Abyss or something like that. Um, so they created an entire thing. They created art. They started creating story. They started creating lore. And then they offered to take Screamin' J. Fluffkin somewhere safe. So uh, Screamin' J. Fluffkin's accepted. It, was, it couldn't have been anything that I would have planned or that we would have planned as a company, but we're absolutely going to go with it. Building with community and all of that is really interesting. And giving everyone just the tools just to be able to do it. The, the story is a foundation. It's not meant to be defined. It's meant to be interpreted and run with. You know, art and all of that, like, we can't tell people, like, you know, color in between the lines and now you're an artist. It's here's a tool whatever you make, like it is what you make it. And, and it's, even if it's a starting point, it's just interesting seeing this because yeah, in the different ecosystems and all of this, all of the stories and influences that everyone comes up with, it's not hard to get one cohesive story together um, and still allow everyone to be independent and autonomous. Awesome. So you're talking about, you know, you're, you're talking about storytelling, right? And the power of storytelling. And it's really interesting because your project literally is a pro is a is a result of of storytelling right it came out of the lore um and yet your your first mint is going to be focused on kind of the utility it's it's empowering people to bring their stories to life right or to to flesh out their stories 
so you're kind of you're you're coming at it from both ends, right? You you in yourself are this great storyteller. There's this great lore around um, your community and your project, but yet you are also a facilitator. You're helping other people bring their stories to life. Um, let's talk a little bit more about that because I understand you have some collaborations, right? That are already kind of like actively in the works, right? Uh, anything you can share with us about that? Um, yes and no. Um, I mean, it's it's no secret <laughs> that we're an art collective and have artists that we've been talking to and, and building and growing our network is allowing us more opportunities. Um, it's no secret that there are a lot of projects in this space that see us even not, not just as building with community, but in a business to business style content creation element that we have the ability to turn things around and, and we can make them very specific with all of the people that we can reach out to. Um, yeah, there's a lot to that actually. <laughs> I know. So now, now we've cursed the podcast because now lingering in the back of our minds throughout the whole thing is maybe this is all meaningless. Maybe, maybe existence is completely meaningless. We've turned it into an existential uh, black hole, but we're going to, we're going to keep powering through as if, as, as if there's a purpose here. We, we're still going to wake up tomorrow and have something to do. Um, so, Jacob, let's now take, I, in fact, I think that we've covered so much really interesting content, and I've seen good conversation going on in the chat here on YouTube and in the discords. Let's see if our trusty meds have been able to pull any questions out of here that we can put, put to you. And, Jacob, I don't know if you've been following along in the chats, but this happens every time we have you as a guest, whether on the AMAs or here, even now here on the podcast, but we constantly get the feedback. We love when Jacob is on. People just love to listen to you talk. They love your perspective and your insights. Um, and so guys, I'm going to put this out to you, to the community, to those of you that are, are listening. If you have a question for Jacob, now is your time um, to put it to him. Let's hear it. What, what, uh, what questions or comments can we, can we put to Jacob? I've got one while we wait for the community to get together. I want to know more about the collaboration with Mia or Mija. Or oh, with Miha, yes. Yeah, so uh, the Mij project. Um, Miha had created um, an idea. She came up with a story, and she even went so far as to produce a storyboard that uh, detailed this vision a few years ago. And uh, she was never able to fully on, act on producing it. Um, and it's one of those things that uh, an artist will hear sometimes that, you know, I'm, if she's a musician, she's a DJ, she's also a very talented artist in a lot of different dimensions. And uh, it, it, someone will tell you like, oh, that's not your brand, like you're a musician or whatever. And it can be put on the back burner or just simply an artist can't get to it. And, and it's just not a priority until it makes sense. And sometimes these ideas they just work at the right time. Um, and there was a very much a right time for Miha's idea. Um, so Miha came to us uh, two weeks before the Fluff Social event um, and uh, told us that she had this idea. She asked us for her help or for our help. And uh, we produced it and we got it made within that two week window to play at, at Fluff Social. Um, so with that, we have some plans further down the road with that. Um, we have our mint coming up and everything, and, and that's kind of all I want to say about that. Um, but I would say that, uh, you know, we turned that idea, 
from a storyboard into the storyboard being animated, it steps up into Japanese anime style animation, which is very specific to what she requested and wanted. And then it goes into 3D animation. And uh, um, just to be able to do that with an artist, I mean, you know, if you make a short film, you make a teaser, you make a music video as an artist, there's never been a channel for that to make sense for people. Like if you make a, a short film as a filmmaker, it, you can put it in festivals and hope it becomes an Oscar qualifier so that it actually gets viewed by people. It's actually very, very unfair for certain forms and mediums of art. Um, so seeing her through that was great. Um, as part of that collaboration, we also did the uh, VJ content, the video uh, content mm -hmm. that played on the screens behind her. Uh, we filled 90 minutes worth of content with that all within two weeks. Um, and we wanted to make that an experiment of like what what, when an artist comes and works through our system, we needed to test that model. Like, what can we do? Um, you know, I think it was uh, uh, definitely an experiment. We learned a lot. I'm not going to say everything was perfect in the whole thing, but it was like in, in terms of us trying to make things happen in two weeks. But it was enough. We were able to show it. We were able to make it happen. And I think more than that, seeing an artist who had something that they wanted to see realized is, is the point. You know, I think that it's inspiring to other people to see that an idea that you have isn't like unworthy, that you, you can make it and you just have to pursue it. But then there's all these gates and all of those things. So we, we started with Miha and uh, we wanted to see how that goes. Um, no, the film, the Meech film has not been made available to view. Um, I will remind people that we have a custom-built uh, 4K optimized IPFS array with unlimited file size. So uh, um, that's that. <laughs> um, so we've had a question in the Discord uh, from one of our uh, drug snugglers. Wants to know when mint, and I want to know when drug snugglers whitelist. <laughs> Ooh, I like that idea a lot. Mm. Yeah, um, so the Mint is August 23rd. Uh, we have a total supply of 11,138, and the Mint price is 0.1 ETH. Um, it is a utility token. Um, there's a lot more information that we're going to be sharing. We're going to have a whole new website. Um, we're like really having regular AMAs at uh, twice weekly, plus other AMAs and, and other things from our mods who are also active in the community. Um, and we welcome people asking us these questions. It is a lot to take in. It's a lot to deliver. It's a lot to try to tell people what it is. And uh, um, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's interesting, but um, I don't think everyone will understand it. And I'll own that. Like, I really don't think that everyone understands it. Um, and uh, I don't think that anyone understood what I was doing when I quit my job to start a cult with a bunny rabbit that's in a virtual world either. But these things, you know, like uh, what I do believe in is our team's dedication to provide endless value to this as a membership token. Uh, it, it's, it's our covenant. It's our promise to the community that, you know, we built this with community. We built it for community and we will build it you know, alongside them and, and always have it serving them. All of our work, our, our, our logo, our website, our animations, like all of that was all people from within the community that we hired. And what's even cooler about that story that a, a lot of people aren't aware of, um, I was not wealthy coming into NFTs or into this or whatever. 
Um, I traded up and flipped up with independent artists and a few projects on Tezos until I could afford to mint my fluffs. And those airdrops and those things and all of that value that I was given, um, our animation, um, you know, I that's I, I look at that as like my Jadu holdings. Um, you know, Fluff Social, us being able to play that, we're self-funded. This is how it goes. Uh, Fluff Social was my Snoop Burrow. You know, this is like our community building with this and really like taking what we have, like making the most with very little is what we've achieved that I don't think a lot of people are going to understand at first until they actually see what's happening. Yeah, I think that's part of the fun, right? You know, you don't have to understand it at first. You know who the, the, the fact that you, you've got such an, an endearing following already um, as a leader of the project and the project itself has built such a reputation for being, you know, just a bunch of GCs and the Kiwis will know what I mean by that. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of like, I think of it as, as like, you're investing in the CEO, you know, you're investing in the people that are running the project, you have faith in what they're doing. And, uh, and, and I think that's often enough. If you've got the right people and, you, and, and they're empowered to do the right thing, then good things happen. So yeah, I'm, I'm sure our snugglers will be very excited about August 23rd and, uh, you know, maybe pushing you on the podcast live broadcast around the metaverse uh, is probably not the right place to do it, but I am going to come chasing you for some whitelist uh, spots for some of our snugglers. Oh, yeah, we should definitely do that. And uh, I don't know, is there something that, that calls out to you in the collection maybe that, that is mm. of interest? I'm very interested in this. We're very open. We're very welcoming of it. Absolutely. Right. Well, there's a bunch of people listening right now that have, have heard that and will take you to task on it. So uh, so we'll pick that up in due course. It's awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jacob, there's something, you know, we can identify a lot with what you're talking about, right? About like having to, uh, you know, for it to be, for there being a little bit of work into getting your head around the concept, right? It's not just, uh, you know, an animated 3D avatar and everybody gets it. Okay, cool. That's cute and fun. I want one. Uh, there's kind of more to understanding the utility of it. And we've had a bit of that process, but there is something kind of like uh, satisfying or rewarding about having to demonstrate value. Um, and then for your having to raise the value. So by, by the time people realize the value in it, it is a sustainable value, right? It's not just sort of uh, hot air or a lot of uh, hype. And then, you know, you start out with a lot of value that can only go down you build the value and then you have something that is sustainable and that people understand for the long term. So definitely, definitely right in line with you there. Um, in one of your last answers to one of our, our uh, community questions, you, you mentioned something that, that raised a question that I'd like to follow up with. But you, know, you were talking about working with artists and uh, kind of what the future of you know, content creation and media will look like in Web3. And as a filmmaker, you, you know, with your background in filmmaking, I'm wondering what the first kind of like Web3 feature film will look like and like how far away we are from that. But like this idea of like all the things that we've seen in Web3 with like user, you know, the, the, the collaboration between the creators and the community, um, the, the, the way that lore can like happen organically, and even the ability for people to contribute, you like just from building basically a team out of a community. What do you think that will look like? I think it's going to look beautiful is what it's going to look like. And I don't think it's necessarily going to be what people expect. Um, I think that the first film on Web3 is going to be honest. And I think it's going to be an independent filmmaker. And I say that 
kind of cheating because uh, there is no one else in the space that can actually upload a full feature film in 4K to the blockchain except for us. Um, right. And that's what our goals are. So um, I would say that, you know, it's, it's up to the artists. Like I wouldn't want to dictate it, but I don't think we're going it, to, I don't think it's going to be what we expect. I think that what it's going to inspire is a lot different. I think that there are a lot of things that we've talked about. Um, you know, you can release scene by scene, right? You can, you can uh, with how it works in NFTs and ownership and community, you can release the first act of a three act story and you only need what you need to create the first one. And then the other two become an even more collaborative experience as you go. Um, this is something that we've talked about. So I'm not like hiding it. My marketing is probably going to kill me because it's something that we have pushed down the road because of the magnitude of what it takes, but generative films, right? What the, that element of, of, you know, when you see a scene play out, you know, there are different genres you can witness that scene in. There are different actors that can represent the characters. There are entire different plot lines and, and all of this stuff, art department, the locations, the prop, like there's everything can be a, a, a generative element through assembly, um, through being spliced in and through being randomized. And with that, you know, you're starting to expand, you know, you, like what we realized, and this is, you know, part of our earliest idea, like we can create the foundation, but we can create the foundation of a feature film and make a hundred versions of each scene with community. Of course, that's like massive magnitude. We realized that like, holy, sh like we're in over our heads with that idea, but you know, the future of where this can go, shared ownership and, and this kind of thing, you know, owning a film to have that be your pass to a, a screening or something like that. You know, you go to a film, maybe you had a date or something like that. Ticketing with concerts is one thing. Ticketing with films is the same thing. You went on a date, a memorable thing, a memorable experience. You want to keep that the same way. It, it, it's, in, I, I just, I don't think enough people are really looking into it. And I think too, like what we're doing with distribution where we make everyone, uh, they get their own ability to become their own Netflix or their own Spotify by controlling the streaming terms for each individual item. And yeah, like throw the old world out the window. We like, we don't, I don't even think we have any idea what's coming. I'm just, all we're still doing is dreaming and realizing that the ideas get too big for us to accomplish right now. Wow, perfect, super fascinating, and it yeah. can tell you get you you get really animated about it. Uh, the the excitement is contagious. It's really cool. Um, but Jacob, you've definitely delivered. I mean, right? That this is what we expect when you bring bring you on some stimulating, interesting conversation. Uh, we I think that we had a lot of good brand talk. Right? We got to talk about Zero X Thulu. We got to talk a little bit about some of the other ecosystem projects, including drug receipts. But we also went off the rails a little bit, and we got into the deep uh, recesses where I think some people hoped that it would go. It's exactly the kind of content that we like to provide on drug receipts, and it's, it's exactly the kind of content that we bring you on for. So thank you for delivering. That was really fun conversation. Um, we are going to move into some new stuff, and we welcome you to, to stick around. We always uh, enjoy your input. Um, but for now, thank you very much for being a part of this broadcast. It's been super enjoyable. Yeah, thanks, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And, and, you know, there was one thing that we said as we were talking about, like, our mint, our utility, and all of this stuff, was that, like, it, it's like you don't even need to understand it. I don't want 
that. Like, I want people to make informed decisions. I want people to question us. I want people to get as deep as they can, as critical as they can. I think that one of the coolest things about this community is that people are not afraid to tell me things that they disagree with, even with what our plans are. I love that. And, and I really want to earn that. I, you know, coming up out of this community and being going from a holder and a collector to someone building alongside other people in this space is an honor, but it's not something that I'll get without earning. And it's not something that our team will get without earning. So um, let us earn it and, and, you know, give us a chance and be honest and, and be, be direct with us because I don't want this to drop unless it is what we are telling people it is. I want people to test every aspect of what we're saying it is, because I think it's unfathomable to people that with a very, very small amount of funds, with a wild and crazy idea that people have thought I'm insane all the way, like we're here, like no, like we're here. We're compared on a scale with multi-billion dollar projects and held to those standards as a group from within the community who built like a crazy cult of bunnies. You know, it is just <laughs> unfathomable and it sounds insane. And I'd, uh, love, I'd love somebody who has no idea about this space to listen to just that soundbite and try and understand what the fuck is going on and how any of this makes any sense at all. Like. To yeah. me, I have these conversations. I'm sure everybody in this space does. You have these conversations and you stop and you think, what am I even talking about? It doesn't even make sense to me that this stuff is even happening, you know? Like, yeah. 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 But yeah, Sorry. I love it. Uh, you know, we have a layer of secrecy. We do that not because we're trying to hide. We're doxxed. You, you know where I live now. You know, you've seen it, whatever. Mm. I just, you know, it's it's just so important to me that, we deliver and we provide value back to the community that gave us the possibility to be. To do it, so, yeah. Thank you. Thank you guys. I really appreciate you. Well said. Well said. It's why we love you. Thank you, Jacob. Uh, and we look forward to many more conversations. All right. So we are going to move into our routine checkup. Uh, we're going to have another silent title card here, I imagine. Let's do I'll it. I might be silent. I'll, I'll, I'll do some background music for it. How's that? <laughs> okay, well done. Yes, perfect. All right, you, you know what? Forget it. All, all bets are off. We do not need to get audio. We just need to have Trevor doing the live sound, yeah. soundtrack. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. So just to remind you and to, to reset the table here, but the reason uh, Trevor and I are here doing the routine checkup and not Jesse is because Jesse, uh, probably at this very moment, is, ex is accepting an award here in Dallas at an award ceremony put on by D Magazine, the uh, kind of one of the prestigious magazines here in Dallas. Um, she is being recognized for putting on the best monthly dance party in Dallas uh, for her event, Paradise, that she puts on with DJ Sober uh, once a month here in Dallas. And Rawlinson and I, um, Rawlinson, my, my uh, permanent house guest here, actually went to the last Paradise that was thrown uh, over the weekend on Sunday here in Dallas. And it was great. You know, it's super awesome event. So you can see why she won the award. So congratulations, Jesse. Super proud of her. Um, and super stoked to have her on our team because she is just Yay, so, so talented. We're very fortunate. And I'm sure yeah. everybody's missing Jesse, but uh, yeah, so cool. Well done, Jesse. Big round of applause. Hey. Big round of applause. Awesome. So we are going to try and make it through here today without her. So Trevor and I are going to do our best. Uh, but the first news item, Trevor, I think we're going to talk about the hoodies. Um, mm -hmm. The hoodies are shipping. They've been arriving, and we've seen a lot of great content 
um, posted in the Discord, posted on socials and Twitter. It's super snugging exciting to see those things out in the wild yeah, yeah, and people yeah. actually wearing them and interacting with them and seeing the snap filter uh, happening. Um, Trevor? I, yes. I'm responsible we, for the Kiwi contingent, right? Yes. So, uh, What's the so status? On me. Uh, so we have made that the, the hoodies have arrived in New Zealand and okay, every Kiwi awesome. just rolled their eyes because they know that they are with customs and that is anyone's guess oh. as to how long they'll sit there. But it happens with everything that comes into New Zealand. Uh, and it's a common conversation you have with people. Oh, they're being they're, they're at the border. So uh, I am hoping that very very soon, any day now, hopefully uh, early next week, I will have them arrive at my humble abode, and then they will be shipped as quickly as physically possible uh, out to everybody. So I think there's about forty-seven. Don, is that right? I can't remember. I think there's about forty-seven uh, hoodies coming in the pack. So anybody in New Zealand who's waiting on a hoodie, uh, watch this space. They're coming real soon. And I'm putting the challenge out there that the Kiwis who get their hoodies will create better content than the rest of the uh -oh. world with uh -oh. those hoodies. So that's okay. the well, that I'm throwing down. So let's, to give an idea, some context here, let's take a look at some of the stuff that, that people have been posting. Uh, the, um, John, I think that we've got some images here, right? We can take a look at, so people, this is what people have been posting. Um, you can see here, right, from their, their Twitter. Uh, people have been posting this on Twitter, Instagram, uh, posting photos in the Discord. But this is the packaging. So mm -hmm. the uh, before you okay. even open it, already you're getting this really cool bit of uh, drug receipts uh, packaging um, with the rainbow Rex wearing the rollerblade. And it's got all of our community pillars right there on the poly bag. Uh, just really cool. It's fun. You know, it's just an added layer of excitement when something like that arrives on your doorstep. So before you've even ever opened it, it's kind of like Christmas morning, right? You see the presents wrapped under the tree. Yeah, 100%. And some of them um, might stay in that packaging until Christmas by the sounds of it. I can see uh, do that has got two. So maybe one of those is going under the Christmas tree. Well, I think in one of these videos we're about to look at, we've got another photo, but one of the videos, someone's got like just a complete uh, haul, right? That I, I think they have hoodies like uh, spread out all across their table. Um, but let's, Joel, let's go ahead and take a look at the next photo. Yeah. Yes. And and also, so all these things are interactive. You can see there on the left uh, next to Cap's foot is the yellow square. That's the snap code. So when you scan that code, it's basically like a QR code uh, for Snapchat. When you scan that with your Snapchat, it will download the drug receipts filter and the drug receipts filter will look for that graphic. It looks for that version of cap. And when it finds it, then it animates a graphic. And it's so snugging cool. Yeah. Uh, we've got some, uh, let's, let's take a look, look at the next photo, Joan, before we get into some of these videos. <laughs> so here's someone who is not doxxed uh, himself, but sporting the hoodie. And, you know, as, as cool as I think that the graphics are, just when people actually wear them, it, it just adds yeah. a whole nother element. It brings them to life. It looks so great. Um, thank you guys for sharing these things. Uh, yeah, sorry to the Kiwis who are still waiting for theirs. They're all seeing these images and getting FOMO. Uh, but but they're on the way, right? They, they're on Tre the way. Trevor has received a notification that they are in New Zealand. So it's just they a matter are. of getting Trevor and then they, they go out to you guys. So uh, let's look at some of the videos, Joel. And I know we have some videos here. Maybe we'll see some of this AR action. Rendered in 3D, but I, 
play that one more time. I'm going to try and count how many hoodies there. This is bullies only. At least five I counted. By the way, um, there. if you have not uh, got a hoodie yet, or if you did not purchase one, we sold them out, right? The mint sold out, but they have not all been claimed. So you mm. can still buy one on a secondary market right now and claim the hoodie. Um, they are clearly labeled on OpenSea. All you have to do is go search for drug receipts on OpenSea, and you'll see the DRX Travel Co. collection. And it's got the 500 100 hoodies on there. And each one of the hoodies is labeled, it's either labeled claimed or unclaimed. Um, they've got, and they have different color codes. If it's, if it's unclaimed, you'll see a color banner on it. And if it's already been claimed, you'll see a pink banner. But so the ones that are unclaimed means you can, you can buy the hoodie still on the secondary market and you will own the digital wearable, the NFT version of it, the digital version of it. And you also can use our claim form. It's very easy to do. Uh, and you can have a hoodie shipped to your home, wherever you live in the world. Um, or if you're, if you're, uh, if you're Jacob shipped to your, your travel, traveling bus, bus. In, anywhere around the world. Um, now, there's a couple of things on that, Arlo, that I want to yeah. remind people of one. That's it. There's 500 when they they're gone, they're gone. When all of those unclaimed NFTs that are still on the secondary market have been claimed, there's no way to get a hoodie again. When How many are there, Trevor? Anymore. I think last time I looked, and Don will probably tell me in the comments here, but I think there's about 200 unclaimed left. Yeah. So there's still quite a few. Uh, and the floor price on those last time I looked was pretty close to what they were at Mint. So you can still get them at a really good price. And the other thing, so so go and get one on the secondary market if, you, uh, if you're into these hoodies. And this, the other thing that I want to drop is we've got some very big plans for the IRL or the URL version of the hoodie, right? So, uh, so hold on to your NFT because we've got some super plans coming down the pipe of what we intend to do with that in the metaverse. So um, some really cool conversations happening. Uh, and I'm not going to say anything more than that other than there is some big plans coming. So hold on to your uh, URL hoodie and Kiwi contingent gets some content up there. In fact, I'm going to give up one of my personal NFTs to whoever creates the coolest piece of content. Uh, maybe it's something like where is, where is cap, uh, you know, in famous locations around the world, take a shot of cap in famous locations or doing something crazy, or maybe it's at uh, burning man or whatever it might be, but put your piece of content in and we'll pick one that we love the most and you'll get yourself something from my wallet. Oh, dang it. John, so I know we have a couple more videos that I want to take a look at, but I, I just remember, did, did we ever show the Zero X Thulu logo while Jacob was on? Did I totally miss that? No, yeah, we did. That's okay. Golly. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll, we'll work that in at some point, maybe in post-production. We'll, we'll close we'll it. We'll okay, close but it. so let's look at, we've got some more hoodie videos here. Let's take a look at another one from our, from our users, our community. I'm beyond stoked. This is the sweetest merch I've ever had. Thank you. Dope. Sweetest dope. merch you've ever had. I love it. And it's sweetest so true. Merch. It's so yeah. cool. Like it, it, just on so many levels, you own the digital wearable and Trevor, you tease, right? The idea is that the digital wearables are so that Big digital cool. avatars can wear them. So there's a lot more to be said about that. But then you also get this IRL hoodie, which is sick right? It's sick. It looks really cool, but it's also got augmented reality. When, I mean, when you, he, that video he shows, you see the animation come to life. I, 
it's just so snug and cool like yeah, yeah. layer upon layer upon layer of just just mind altering substance is what that mind is. altering substance yep yeah all right one more joel and i think we've got one more video we can look at here <laughs> I love it. It's so much fun. And I, you know, I have one too. And it's fun when you go out and get to show it to people. I mean, it's just, it's such like a conversation starter. It's a head turn. It's like, people are like, what is that? And they, I can tell you how many times people ask me like, how did you do that? Like, it's a Snapchat filter, right? That we have the technology, but they're just blown away by it. It's so cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can't wait for Certainly you guys to have one of a kind piece of clothing, at least for yeah. the time being. Yeah. And Every bit of drug receipts apparel will have augmented reality components to it. I mean, and will have a digital and a URL aspect. I mean, it's just being, you know, being on the forefront, right, of this new movement in this brand new space, like being the trailblazers here is so fun and so exciting. Yeah. And it's so fun to have all of you like be a part of it and be on board for this ride because it's just yeah. so fun. We should record um, one of our think tanks when we start talking about the different things we want to do with AR. We should record one of those conversations and post it. I think it would make great content. There's sorts of crazy shit that we come up with in those meetings that we want to do yeah. with this technology, right? Like, <laughs> Because what you can do is so crazy yeah. and so exciting. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, so that's it. So exciting stuff about the hoodies. The, the next thing, which is another super exciting thing going on right now in the ecosystem that Drug Receipts is a part of, but Gods and Goblins, um, the the were announced recently officially right the campaign we've been aware of goblins we know that they're a part of the lore and the ecosystem we know that goblins are kind of antagonists to the seekers uh, we know that goblins are, are thieves and up to mischief and they've been trying to steal parts uh to build you know to build what are they building what are they building a portal i think oh, the portal, portal get, exactly yes is to get them into the third kingdom yeah so uh so they're they're, they're smashing up and building the portal using seekers bits and uh, yeah, it's 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 quite a lot of fun. And the Goblin Queen herself is uh, is going to be uh, coming out and uh, awarding some prizes very soon, and and, and selecting from the uh, from the submissions who will will be selected and who won't. And then we have the exactly. sacrifice coming as well, right? So there's a lot of cool stuff going on in that project. It's such a, a unique way of launching and minting a project. Their um, their mint process is brand new it's it's not it's not your average mint so i'm not going to steal their thunder uh follow their project and get in the discord and engage with their project to find out what's happening but there is there is a very unusual way to mint goblins uh if you so if you're into it you mean you need to be watching that or you're going to miss out right so the 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 goblin gods and goblins campaign is officially underway the the mint is imminent and so they've come out from a, out of the shadows. They're not, not just an accessory to other um, project stories. Now they are about to have their own time in the light here. Uh, but so the Goblin Queen has put out these seven challenges uh, throughout the ecosystem. And Drug Receipts was uh, happy to host one of these and to be, you know, to be the moderator for one of these contests. And so our challenge was to come up with an elixir, a Gods and Goblin elixir. Uh, because drugs, uh, drug receipts is based on basically pharmaceuticals, which is the contemporary uh, version, basically, of potions and elixirs, you know, in, in perhaps in medieval times or, you know, in other fantastical realms uh, like gods and goblins occupy. Uh, 
So we put it to our community and to all communities in the ecosystem to come up with a, an elixir. And we wanted to know, you know, what kind of ingredients go into your elixir and what effects would it have? How does it affect the goblins? How does it affect the, affect the environment? And there really was no limit on, you know, how you could conceive of this. And so we were looking for creative solutions and creative ideas. And boy, did you guys deliver. Yeah, um, totally. And also there was, there was really, there were no limitations or even not even any direction placed on how you could express this. So we've received, you know, video submissions, actually like filmed and directed and scripted uh, videos. Uh, there were lots of um, illustrated versions, uh, lots of AI rendered um, solutions. Uh, so the 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 Let's amount of creative output, right? It, it was just was just uh, mind blowing and really exciting to see. Um, and I think that. Not, I think. I know that we have some examples that yeah, we can share. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's have a look. Some awesome stuff. Some incredibly so talented Jamie, people. Right. We Jamie is a one of our uh, cherished um, and prominent community members, and mm -hmm. Jamie definitely has her own lane. Right. <laughs> Jamie. <laughs> has, you can see some telltale signs. Brand, it's me, Jamie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Starting out with the ingredients there at 69, 69 milligrams. And she she definitely is a big part of the reason, right, that 69, 69 uh, it has become a part of drug receipts lore. But uh -huh. Jamie uh, Jamie loves to go a little off color. <laughs> she she's, she's fascinated by the, the, the naughtier um, elements um, of the project. Uh, and so Jamie, Jamie has put together a really fun um, concoction here. And Jamie also had a, a commercial that went along with it that was fun as well. And you can see something that is a recurring uh, theme or feature in a lot of these submissions is people make a lot of uh, references to the, the, the wider ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So you'll see references to fluffs, to mycelium, to party bears, right? ASM, uh, just get a whole lot of uh of the community and the the wider ecosystem um uh, 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 i love the specificity here. you know it, it's it's 420 milligram not not 421 or 419 it, it's got to be 420 milligrams of mycelium uh you know the 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 recipe is absolutely precise and i wonder if you missed the the 69 69 or the 420 milligrams and got your measurements slightly out what the effects might be or whether it would just not work, I guess that's a question for for, for Jamie. I know she's in the, uh, I know she's in the chat. I can see her posting comments in there. So Jamie, let us know if the uh, if the precision is important. Awesome. Let's take a look at a, another one, jo Joanne. We've got, you know, and you can see the personality right of the users coming out. Here's an actual recipe, right, which is kind of, uh, I'm always. I'm always a little sad and heartbroken anytime octopus is on the menu, just because if, if I can, you know, reference a conversation we had with uh, Jacob a little bit, but I just, I just, I, I place such a high value on sentience and octopus by all accounts appear to be capable of self-awareness and mm -hmm. possess some, some level of sentience, but nevertheless, so this is an elixir that was put together by Max Poker, a, a you know, a big community member, um, in the in the wider uh, non fungible labs fluff ecosystem, um, but so a lot of the uh, a lot of the community members 
right, took a, a stab at each one of the seven challenges, right? They didn't just pick the ones uh, that, you know, that, that they felt most um, suited for. They, they took them all on. And so here's Max Poker taking a stab at the elixir. Uh, gosh, should I even try to pronounce it? Sun, Sundubu? <laughs> yep. That would have been where I went. <clears throat> yeah. I love that it must be consumed on a hot summer's day. So the elixir will only work for one season of the year. Exactly. And, you know, I had it, I had this experience almost literally today, but I went and met my father for lunch and it's Texas and it is Texas in the summer during a heat wave. So it was about 101 degrees for lunch and we went to have ramen <laughs> for lunch. So hot uh, noodle soup on a hot summer Texas day. Uh, don't ask me why it was, it was absolutely delicious, but yes, a little bit of, uh, Sundubu vibes going on here with nice. my IRL lunch. It's a great name for a restaurant, Sundubu. I'd eat there. Sundubu. Uh, Joel, what's the next one that we have? Boom. So oh, from God. the, uh, the red devil tabby herself. Uh, the Red Devil Queen. So this is King Anish, famous holder of one of our one of ones, and also hinting at uh, at drug wars there, but showing you the uh, kind of the inspiration um, behind this this drink. Uh, so <laughs> Fireball, we all recognize Fireball, and you can see the you know how how perfectly it works with the the uh, Red Devil Tabby. Uh, both maybe in, there's a collab in the in the future exactly yeah, yeah it's it's a match made in heaven or in hell if you will <laughs> and in his uh in his caption he says that this mind-altering substance is blessed by the devil queen herself and then references the red devil tabby a simple sip makes you break out bad see the transformation uh very cool mm -hmm. um is that a is that a drug wars team also oh it is, it is, and we're gonna we're gonna get into drug wars a little bit here. Actually, it's we have some really team exciting to beat stuff with, to uh, with, with the Red Devil Tabby. That's gonna be a tough team to beat. Um, so I mentioned that there's a video. We're actually not gonna show the whole video here. I think that it'll be better consumed uh, in your own time. But we definitely suggest that you go seek out the the video that um, Abu uh, Batal posted. Um, I think I got the right user right for that one. Yeah. And, uh, and Bildo provided some really deep lore, which again, not the right forum for us to share it with you right here, but encourage you, uh, to go check out, um, all of these submissions. They're real easy to find. If you look at the drug receipts, Twitter page, you can just find the post that basically that, uh, calls for the submissions and then all the comments and responses is where you'll find all the great, uh, all the great submissions. Um, but there is one other one that we would like to share. And this is, that was actually not a response to the call for the elixir, but this was another one of the challenges, um, was to write a, uh, an anthem for, uh, the goblin empire. And so one of our community members, uh, nicely done, uh, has a lot of background, a lot of history, uh, writing bars, writing raps, uh, producing music. Um, some of his, friends actually are music producers. And so they collaborated to come up with a, uh, a totally custom um, anthem. And, you know, we're going to play it for you. I think it's probably about, maybe it's a minute 40, something like that. But there are so many references, you know, to the, the, uh, the ecosystem 
um, all the communities, see if you can catch them all. And, you know, it, it, it will be impossible probably to catch them all on one listen, listen here, but you can seek it out on Twitter. You can look for it in our discord. It's easy to find, but let's, uh, let's take a listen to this rap by nicely. Gods and goblins, gods and goblins, gods and goblins, gods and goblins. I became a godwin. I sacrificed my six seekers for goblins. My six seekers for goblins. Cause I became a godwin. I sacrificed my seekers for goblins. I've decided this ecosystem's where I'm residing. We formulate in portals and we stay in embittle mode Clothe your assets in DRX or you can use your seekers as little nodes Exposing the silo, I know Mine's racing like it's Adam, so I'm taking the high road If you drive slow, you're never gonna get to the honey pot But you can still make money, Buzzy, study the plot That's why I'm kicking it like Afa when I'm taking a shot Till every piece is on the floor is going straight to the top And then we'll party like some bears in nefarious affairs Once we get the party packed, the whole party will be impaired And I'm sorry if you're scared of all these scenes and sounds But NFL's the only team in town and we ain't leaving now Strapped with rig Guns to weed the crowd and then we'll hide up in the high roller sweets for clout Cause we ain't fluffing around, we'll leave you stuck in the ground And I ain't talking about mycelium, I'm rising like some helium But really I'm bringing up everything cause I use my brain I bought a bunny then I grew some eggs Now you can choose your ways or you can fall on some wrath But you've been chosen so I'm calling you to follow the path Then you can choose your ways or you, you can, can fall, fall on some wrath But you've been chosen so I'm calling you to follow the path Mother And you know, shout out to a couple of other community members. Bildo Verde contributed on that. I think he helped with some writing. And also, also Mr. LB uh, helped with the, the production on it. So cool. Community coming together and what they produced. I mean, how, how fire was that? Really cool. Yes. Yeah, uh, nice job. Nicely. Nicely done, as we say. Nicely um, done. So really fun contest. And Trevor, have has the Queen announced winners yet? No, I don't believe so. And if uh, and then this is where the comment section blows up because Trevor's not the most up-to-date person in the world right now. Uh, but yeah, so as far as I'm aware, the Goblin Queen is imminent uh, that the uh, winners will be announced. So um, keep an eye out on the Gods and Goblins Twitter for your, uh, especially if you did produce a submission. Uh, there were so many. I mean, we've only shown, what, three or four or five here, something like that. There were hundreds of submissions across the ecosystem. Uh, so, yeah, definitely go down that rabbit hole over the weekend and have an exploration of some of the talent that's in the ecosystem, some of the talented drug snugglers that put together. Some of our snugglers dropped submissions across a, a range of the different. There was seven different categories that you could kind of enter, and some of our, uh, some of our snugglers went into all of them, I think. There was one. Uh, that entered every single one. So, uh, so some amazing effort, and I'm I'm really looking forward to see who gets rewarded for that for that time and that creativity. So cool. Yeah, so cool. And so at the center of all of this, right? We keep talking about the the ecosystem, right, and all the different projects and how we've all come together around gods and goblins. But the center of the ecosystem is uh, is fluff world, right? It's the fluff world. Uh, the introdu the introduction of the fluffs is what made this all possible. We've all kind of branched out from that original Genesis moment. Um, and if you can believe it, and it's hard to believe that it's only been a year, but the fluff uh, fluff is coming up on their first anniversary. They're about oh, to yeah. celebrate their first birthday here in August. And, and can you believe that, Trevor, that all of this has happened and it's been less yeah. than a year? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. None of it existed a year ago. I mean, 
there was a number thrown around about a month ago uh, after the, the Ripple partnership was announced. Uh, there was a company valuation done by an independent party and the non-fungible labs business that owns Fluff World was valued at over a billion dollars. So that's zero to a billion in a year. It's fucking mind-blowing, man. It just boggles the mind. Uh, to think about how big this has become, how quick this is this is happening, and how much more is coming down the pipe. Like we're so still so so very early, right? So well, so needless to say that the first anniversary that that Fluff's first birthday is a significant event in 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 the wider ecosystem in our universe. This is a big deal. So we are planning a a big uh, birthday bash, sort of a, a metaverse ecosystem uh, virtual birthday bash. They'll be conducted in mostly in via Discord, right? Um, yes. The one-year anniversary is going to be celebrated on August eighth, uh, Kiwi time, right? So that will be August seventh for us in the U.S. Uh, but it's going to be a twenty-four hour Discord party, and different uh, partners throughout the ecosystem will sort of take over the Discord through different times uh, throughout the event. Uh, and Drug Receipts obviously will be a part of that. Um, and we've got a few really fun things lined up, right, to be for our activation. Uh, Trevor, you want to talk a little bit about some of the things we'll be doing there? Yeah, so uh, they're still kind of allocating time slots, so we don't know yet uh, exactly when our takeovers will happen, but we've got three slots. So we're going to be doing uh, a Skepticism 101 segment featuring our founder, a, a special TKO tournament, which uh, I, th I believe Jesse's going to be uh, hosting that one. That'll be a whole lot of fun. Uh, and for those of you who don't know what TKO is, I didn't, and I had to go and learn, <laughs> learn what it was, but it's a really snug and cool uh, kind of, almost like a bracket competition, I guess, of competing for uh, t-shirt design, which is really cool and right, on, uh, right up our alley. So really excited to see what comes out of that. And then the third and really special one uh, is... Uh, you, Arlo, we're going to be doing a live drawing of a, uh, a receipt. So we are unique in that. And I think that, to me, I hope that becomes one of the, the, the special features of this uh, Fluff birthday celebration. Uh, and it's certainly a unique thing for drug receipts that we have that capability. I mean, um, all of the other ecosystems, uh, their artwork is done using modern digital technology, right? They're using Blender. They're using these different... Um, you know, uh, digital products to produce their artwork. And it's not something that is technically able to be kind of watched in real time. So the fact that we have you and your ability to do that in an analog world and that that's where this whole project started from, uh, that's so cool. So, yeah, I, I encourage everybody to tune in and uh, participate and blow that segment up. But, yeah, Arlo's going to be drawing a receipt in real time during the fluff party with a, a DJ, I think, is also playing during that that segment, if I remember rightly. Yeah, I'm 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 excited about that. You know, we did we did kind of a version of it for South by Southwest uh, when I was on the panel. Um, uh, we we did a yeah, I did a live I, I did so I did a live drawing. I actually did a receipt there live while we while we had the the discussion, um, but we didn't we didn't film it really, so the audience could see that I was drawing, but they weren't watching the drawing. And I think for the the discord we want to actually be able to see the drawing and we'll you know i'll be able to provide some commentary talk through it and talk about the creative process a little bit and also be able to engage with the the audience there right so i'm really looking forward to that 
I think that will be fun. And we'll probably, at the end of the panel at South by Southwest, I gave away the receipt to someone in the audience. So mm -hmm. we're creating something here live for an audience. We'll have to find something uh, worthwhile to do with the receipt. So yeah, tune same thing happened at, uh, at NFT NYC, right? At the Fluff Social event where one of the snugglers came oh, in true. and yeah. brought some Sharpies and a, and a notebook and bang, there and there and then it happened. It was a really spontaneous. Two situation. of them actually. Yeah, right. Ended up Sorry, going two really there. Uh -huh. Yeah, I've heard, um, I've heard a few different people tell me about that event. So it obviously made an impact. So yeah, it's cool. Cool. Um, cool. So yeah, so happy birthday, Fluff. That's coming up. Look for that. So yeah, all of that out of the way. Now this is, <laughs> let's go, let's go. This is some stuff that I've been dying to get to. Trevor, your background is so sick, right? And this is what you've been making us like suffer through this whole thing, like waiting to get to like, we buried the headline here, but right. Drug wars is coming. It's like, we're, it is so close and you've got the propaganda posters up, dude. Let's yeah. go. Let's, let's yeah, start, yeah. let's start releasing some stuff. Yeah. I think we, have we got a, a little snippet we're going to show, but yeah. So for those of you who have no idea what this background means or the relevance of all of this, uh, drug wars is our, uh, is, is a gamification or a tournament type event that we're hosting. It's about to be released uh, and it came from our community. So it was an idea that was gestated in the, uh, in the community and it's coming to life. And we have had an enormous amount of fun. It's taken much longer than we thought because every time we think we're getting there, we, we, somebody adds another piece to the puzzle and it blows up even bigger. So we are incredibly excited about what's coming uh, with Drug Wars and it's coming very, 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 very soon. So, uh, yeah. well, hold on, don't, don't play video. Cause I want to add a little, a little bit uh, to that just really quickly. But so the idea uh, just, this is an idea that grew up out of the community, right? And drug receipts are eminently collectible. It's just very easy to group them based on uh, characteristics like, you know, traits uh, or colors or themes, there's just, there's so many ways to put them together and they, they seem to go together just kind of naturally. It's easy to start grouping them. And our collectors, our community members, our drug snugglers noticed this in the way that they were collecting them. And people would start to post them, you know, their sort of their collections, their sets in the discord. And then out of conversation within the discord, we started talking about, well, we should, we should formalize this. We should turn this into something instead of just posting them in the discord. Let's Let's turn it into a tournament. Let's compete. Let's have people put their sets up against other sets and see which are better. Let people vote. Um, and that was the beginning of Drug Wars. That's what turned into Drug Wars. And then just like Trevor said, the more we've gotten into it, as we try to build out the game mechanics of it, we want to make it something really enjoyable for, for all the people uh, that play it, uh, that, are, that, are, that enlist. Um, and so we, you know, there are a lot of wrinkles to work out. There's a lot of things that you don't know until you just start thinking your way through it, but we're really proud of what we're offering and we can't wait for you guys to play it. Um, in the discord right now, uh, Dawn is sharing some of the propaganda that, that's, that, you know, that we've started to release. It's, it's a lot like what you're looking at there in Trevor's background. Uh, but so Trevor, I think what we want to get to, right, we've got some, mm -hmm. some video content. So, yeah. uh, one of our users created a uh, a set builder, and th the the game mechanics of drug receipts is just you you take four of your NFTs, you take all you need is four drug receipts NFTs, and you put to put them together in a frame basically. Uh, but you also have the opportunity to give them a name, and for the actual drug wars, you're also going to have an opportunity to provide some lore, some written background 
about your teams. Um, so what we've been working on is, is kind of the fleshed out uh, tournament version of the set builder. And what we're going to share with you today is a fly through kind of a, this will not, this is not the final version, but it's close enough to give you an idea of some of the features and the mechanics that are going to be built into the, the set builder here. So I think with that, Joel, and we're ready to take a look at the fly through video. The drums i can hear the drums very cool yeah the uh, yeah very cool and so if you guys I, I don't know how much of you how much of that you caught but there was a lot of uh interactivity a lot of utility there in the fly through so in that demonstration right it shows that you can add lore to your card so the card is two-sided right it's kind of like a baseball card on the back it's got some stats about each one of the characters and it's also got a space for you to provide the lore in the fly through, they just copy and pasted the the caption, right? The the background info about the builder and pasted it into the lore. That's how it happened. But obviously, you can write anything in there. Um, we have different cards, uh, different frames. Basically, uh, the uh, the fly through showed that you could uh, you can choose your frame color, and the amount of frame colors that will be available to you are based on the amount of NFTs, the amount, the amount of drug receipts that you have in your holdings. So we already have roles established in our Discord, uh, and you will be assigned frames based on, based on your roles in the Discord. So if you are a, uh, uh, if you are a, um, if you're big pharma, and I think that means that you own between uh, 11 and 49, is that something like that? Um, then you will have uh, the ability to use choose from a green frame, uh, a blue frame, um, or a gray or a white frame. And so there, there's just different frames that are, that are available based on uh, based on your holdings and based on the roles that you've achieved in the Discord. Um, and by the way, this concept of frames, there's uh, what that means is there's a whole nother game mechanic and dynamic that that uh, opens up to us. Um, where there might be other frames, other exclusive frames that are available to users based on different criteria. Um, so really cool, really excited about that. And uh, can't wait uh, until you guys are able to get in and start building your official competition sets, your, your competition battle cards. Amazing. So and if you're wondering when that is, it's... Yeah. Uh, you know, we have a real aversion to announcing dates, but I would say we're, we're at about T minus seven days for you yeah, having I think, access to I that. think we're T minus seven days from launch. Mm -hmm. uh, so speaking of launch, uh, it's nice to uh, just do a little quick 
um, breakdown of how the competition is going to work. So the first part of the competition we're calling propaganda, which is the reason for all of these posters that you see behind me here in my background and that are being dropped in the Discord right now and already making their way into the Twitter sphere. Uh, the first part of the competitional campaign is propaganda. So you will have to participate in the propaganda campaign in order to qualify to compete in the drug wars. And the propaganda campaign is all about putting your team together and getting out uh, on, on Twitter or other social media platforms and repping your set. Uh, so we, the drug lords will be keeping an eye out for the people who make uh, the most creative, uh, the most engaging, the most interesting pieces of content around and propaganda around their team and around drug wars. And that is how you qualify to participate. Uh, there'll be 64 teams selected from the uh, from the propaganda campaign. So you need to get out and make as much noise and do it in the most creative way possible. How you do that is up to you. There's only a couple of rules, which you'll find out when we launch. Uh, but we encourage everybody to get out there and make some noise and impress the drug lords. Uh, and then once you have qualified, if you are one of the fortunate 64 teams and the maximum number of submissions per wallet or per person is four teams. So you've got four chances of getting into drug wars. And once you are into those 64 teams, the battles will begin. So uh, once we launch the campaign and we open up the builder and get everything uh, rocking and rolling, you'll have a few weeks to impress the drug lords and qualify for selection for uh, the actual battles. And then the battles will take place in a special arena that's being built where uh, you will need to earn and get Ghana votes for your team. And uh, the team with the most votes will progress through the rounds until there is an ultimate winner. And at this stage, and we are still getting more coming in, but at this stage, the prize pool, can I, can I announce that or are we holding back on, on that? Is that going Let's, too far? What's in Jesse's yeah. mind? Let's hold off on that. Hold off on that. Yeah, so there's a prize pool, a big prize pool. <laughs> And right. And so the prize pool, uh, obviously there will be a grand prize, right? Um, but there also will be prizes, you know, throughout the tournament. Uh, so multiple ways to win. Um, and, uh, you know, we've talked about T minus seven days till you have access to the, uh, the competition, uh, battle card builder set builder, but also we will have a, a complete and comprehensive landing page that explains all of this, right? Uh, because there is so much to the game mechanics, uh, we will have a, a landing page that will spell everything out. It will be a great resource to help uh, to help all of us understand exactly what's going on. Uh, so yeah, and and of course, always uh, the the Discord is available for any questions to fill in the blanks, but, but we think that what we're presenting is going to be pretty exhaustive and should answer most of your questions. So for those of you who have been umming and ahhing and putting it off, now is the time. Build your teams, get creative, start thinking about all of the different ways you're going to present your, your uh, drug receipts. Grab that one or two drug receipts that's missing from your collection. Think about your propaganda campaign. The time has come. And remember, none of you are immune to propaganda. <laughs> right. You know, it's funny, Trevor, we didn't, I don't think we talked about propaganda tonight. We covered it so much on the last AMA with Jacob and you and some of the others. Um, and we, I think we had, uh, we considered or toyed with the idea of doing kind of a deep dive, uh, kind of a, 
uh, controlled substance, skeptical deep dive on propaganda tonight. But I think that we've, we're a couple of hours in already. And I think that we had so much good content with Jacob that I thought, I thought kind of got deep. And I think it sort of scratched that, uh, the uh, kind of skeptical or the, uh, the intellectual itch a little bit already. So we're probably, or not probably, I, I think we're going to skip um, the controlled substance for tonight. Um, but we will be back with our regular, regularly scheduled programming uh, for the next podcast. And as always, in all of our AMAs in the Discord, it's been said multiple times, but we always deliver mind-altering substance. If you like long-form conversation, if you like getting into uh, deeper content, deeper concepts, then we have that on offer. So join us. We'd love to hear your voice. Join the conversation. Uh, ask your questions. Add your comments. It's it's what we live for. It's what makes all this so much fun. Um, art and subversion, science and skepticism, community and sport. Those are the pillars of the brand. And boy, do we try to to live them and put them into practice. So Trevor... A big shout out yeah. to Jacob for joining us. Thank you for giving up your time. Uh, and since we missed it, we're going to close the show with the uh, with the graphic that we forgot to show. Yeah, let's show it. Yeah, thank you, Jacob. Jacob uh -huh. dear, because I know everybody's dying to see that. Thank and you. Uh, don't forget to subscribe, join our Discord, and get involved in Drug Wars. Thanks, everyone. It's great to see you. Great to hear from you. Always good to talk to you. Thanks, Arlo. Another great podcast, thank, man. Thank, thank you, Trevor, of course. So uh, at Drug Receipts on all the socials, uh, subscribe, like our uh, podcast if you haven't done that already. As always, follow us um, or join us in the Discord. It's where the conversation keeps going. Um, Trevor, thanks so much for uh, filling in. Uh, Trevor, we, you know, we look forward to having Trevor be a much yeah, bigger fun. part of all the podcasts going forward. And we can't wait to have Jesse back. Drug Snugglers, we love you all. Thank you guys yes. for being here. We'll look for you in Drug Wars. We'll look for you in the Discord. And until next time, we will snug you later. Bye, everybody. Bye.